Hey again, and welcome to the Strategy Hero podcast, the podcast that's all about diving into the world of business strategy, transformation, and operational excellence. Since 2017, Philippe Guinet, uh, who is our guest today, has operated as an independent coach under Henko, who are focused on building high-performing leadership teams. Philippe has also worked with organizations such as Lloyd's Banking Group, Deutsche Bank, Carnival UK, KFC, and a number of startups facilitating complex digital transformation initiatives. He's also an associate board member of the Thought Leadership with the International Coaching Federation and runs London's Digital Leadership Meetup. But today he's our strategy hero. I'm very excited to talk to you today, Philippe. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. It's uh, a little bit daunting to be a hero, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, um, I, I'm, I'm glad that you accepted the, the title. <clears throat> Just, I do my just, best. just to get started uh, with <clears throat> with kind of an overview of who you, are, who you are, I'm sure a lot of people on you know who are listening today have have heard of you. But for those who have not, could you just tell everyone a little bit about your background and how you found your way into into starting Hanko? Thank you, thank you. And uh, I, I mean, one thing I cannot hide is uh, I'm, I'm actually originally French. Uh, and I moved to the UK a long time ago in 96. Uh, and um, therefore, my accent is, is not completely the one of a local. Um, but I'm, I'm UK based, uh, south of London. And uh, I, I did my initial career uh, very much in, uh, I graduated in business and, and saw the internet and the potential of the internet early on in, in 93, 94. Uh, and, and ever since worked in, in the world of digital. Um, and that, that has got me essentially in, in consulting organizations. And, and, and for my sins, I probably have about 20, 25 years in, in the consulting world. And uh, from 2017, uh, effectively, uh, I had a client that, that was really thinking about insourcing. And, and strategically, they have a view about insourcing, which is quite um, an existential problem for a consultancy. And, um, and that made me think, actually, they're all right. And actually, there is a business model supporting them. Uh, but that business model is not about coming up with solution. It's coming up with something different, something new that helps them develop the competencies, reorganize, uh, re rearrange uh, basically their, rewire some of their company uh, to something we call flow uh, and, and reconsider many things uh, around leadership and of course around strategy with agility being also a guiding principle. And, um, and, and when you get to that, you realize that organization need really profound change and that profound change is not about doing things differently. It's also being different as organizations, being different as leaders, being different as teams. And that is more of a coaching concern uh, than really a consulting concern. It's about creating the framework, creating the, the, the facilitation, creating the engagement of people and, and getting people in, in collaboration together over certain uh, things like excellence, like the future of the organization strategy, like the relationship between the teams, and of course, like delivery, 
but very often organizations are only organizing themselves around delivery, which is a problem. And, 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 and doing those more profound change is change that has to come from the inside. And it is not about imposing some recipes from the outside. It's actually helping people making those changes on the inside and riding that journey. And that's why in 2017, I just thought it is not about being a consultant anymore. The new game is being a coach but facilitating change uh, as a coach, as genuine coaching. And that's why I went on to a, a new career as a coach and, and a professional coaching. So uh, I qualified and certified as a coach with the ICF. And, and now I'm also a board member in the ICF UK uh, to, to this purpose about embracing, embracing a different stance and, and a different type of support uh, allowing the client to 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 have the intelligence as a team as individuals bringing the intelligence of of change bringing the, a, a contextualized view uh, working through their difficulties working through their relationships realigning organization realigning their relationships and doing this purposefully around creating excellence and creating the performance and the future of the business which involves you know improvements which involve strategy which involves all those things so that's that's my journey sorry be, being a bit long over it but i think <laughs> it's important to to explain the nuance uh, that this is bringing no <clears throat> please don't apologize uh philippe i think um a, a lot of what you say there will, will resonate with our listeners because they are in you know they are either consultants or they're they're working in a plant or Know, they're within within the corporate office um and they're they're tackling the issues that, that you've tackled um for your entire career and i think it's always inspiring to hear people that have been in your shoes and and they've thought outside the box they, they've thought differently um and and that's you know one of the things that i really loved <clears throat> i've loved about getting to know you uh personally is is that you know for, for, for our listeners, um, you know, I head up marketing at iNexus and Philippe found his way to iNexus and we built our relationship through for our content. So for me, it, it it's always um it's always personally rewarding to to see people come in to to iNexus and engage with our content. But to get someone like yourself, Philippe, was was an extra um was an extra added bonus, I would say, say uh, to me. And, so, and maybe we should give a warning sign as well to people that I'm not too afraid being controversial because <laughs> my job is to think outside the box, is to challenge the thinking, challenge the perspective. And and Henko as well is, uh, it's a name that has a meaning. The company I, I created has a meaning in the sense that it's helping people, you know, seeing things with a new light. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's that's what the name Henko carries. And it's it's not about telling people what different thing they should do. It's helping them seeing with a new light, so they can get better choices, better decisions. And uh, and and it's very very valid in the field of strategy because very often the field of strategy we bring the strategy house to do it for us. And and no, if the, the, the people have and the, and the leadership of organization have to take their own care of their own strategy. That's the important thing, and that's what I am to do. I 
<clears throat> I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't apologize about being controversial. I think um, <laughs> so, some of the guests we've had so far on, on the podcast have been anyone, you know, anything but, um, you know, traditional in terms of their their point of view. And I think that it's very important that we 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 get people like yourself, Philippe, exposed to more to more audiences because through thinking differently is how you can you can actually make change. And that leads me nicely onto uh, onto our topic today. And and you know, before before we hit record, we were we we're talking a lot about flow and and change and like you say, thinking differently. And that's why when we came up with with today's topic bringing flow to the front line it seemed perfect based on your experiences and what you're doing over at henko so just to get started then um diving into into the what is a really exciting topic for me to to listen to um in your career you've worked with some some real big clients you've worked with some more some smaller clients from your engagements, what would you list as the reasons that drive change in leadership uh, organizations and strategy as a whole? And yeah, very good question. Um, and and I think what what we fail to recognize is how much digital is is changing uh, the way organization work or should work. And you know, if we if we go a long way back around the digital uh, the industrial revolution, there was a lot of change around leadership, uh, and 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 the, the the change in landscape, the change in possibilities, also changed how we led organizations and so on. Um, and of, of more recent times as well, uh, there there was uh, the the sort of mass production where. Uh, we we have had basically years where or, or, or many decades in, uh, through the, the 20th century where it was about producing new you know, producing things and there would be customers so really everything was oriented towards the production and th there is one notable interesting exception in that around Toyota uh, which uh, through scarcity through you know, Japan being really ruined after the the, the war uh, they had to come up with something different they they had to build what they sold uh, and meaning that they, they would only build the things they sold because they couldn't have the luxury of stocks which actually introduced the idea of viability or the possibility of viability uh, because uh, as as they, they they were going towards more that one piece flow they will build the thing only they sold uh, then they could actually pivot and and build things different you know different variations of things different colors uh different uh capable options yep. um and 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 bring that into an industrial cycle you know where where, where they they're churning cars in production um and to me that that's really a massive change uh, that they brought uh, a bit by necessity, by the context. And this has opened up to all the lean thinking about reducing inventories, you know, uh, smaller production batches or, or, or no batch at all, uh, and 
and and and then sort of getting um, the possibilities of variability, the possibility of configuring a car to your liking, whilst the car is being mass produced, and that to me is is really an important point in history. And 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 for you know, fast forward to the digital times, with software, it's hundred percent variable. It's hundred percent tailored, pretty much. And we're trying to have uh, an industrial production of software with a lot of, of the work, you know, the services of most companies that use a website, that use an app and so on. Uh, and, and, and we see as well a, a lot of the things we consume are more software-based. Uh, and interestingly, you, know, you would buy a camera in the past. You would buy an iPod or a Walkman in the past. Now it's all software on your mobile phone, for instance. And the world is going to go more and more software. And with software, uh, there, there is a possibility to change a lot more, a lot more often, which means that the speed of the industry is much faster. And there is an infinite possibility of tailoring uh, and, 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 and personalization down to the individual. So this is changing again massively uh, and and it is really opposite to basically the mass production time to 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 the speed we're getting now now another also element uh, and and again toyota is that in the mass production sense you would design something and then you would have people putting it together and their skills will be limited to putting some things together well. Comes Toyota days, uh, Kaizen is really central to it, meaning that the people that are putting things together are also thinking. They start being knowledge worker in the sense that they start thinking, is there a better way to put it together? Is there a better way that the product could be? Fast forward to digital again the engineers on the production chain are really uh, on the production on, on it's not a production chain anymore actually so it's a value creation chain pretty much yeah. the engineers there really have the knowledge and actually the leadership don't have so much knowledge of the constraints you know if you were putting them on, in front of uh, uh, an, an IDE you know, to start creating some software they wouldn't be able to the, the languages have evolved, even some of them that have engineering days in their past, a lot of things have evolved so much that they wouldn't know how to put it together anymore. And therefore, we have to lean and rely a lot more on the people that are, that are closest to doing the work, that are closest to the customers, to get involved, to have a say, to actually switch on their brain. And <clears throat> that means bringing those people into the strategy that means getting those people to contribute to where we could go and and it's a fundamental difference where now we're talking about potentially and, and i had a talk in the past about that a strategy to the people so getting everybody as a sensor network and an id network to contribute to the strategy now this completely changes how we see strategy because if you want to have that genuinely distributed, you are doing it bottom up. 
instead of having a select few doing strategy at the top, and then all the rest of the organization delivering to that, which would work in a mass production type sense in the early 1900s or, or mid 1900s maybe, now, now it's completely different where the, the people need to be able to take daily decisions and there isn't time to go up and down the, the, the hierarchies to make those. And so therefore they need to have the context in which they are working in. And if, if they're contributing to the strategy, they have that context in built in them. And the second thing is they are seeing things that are important in the strategy. There are ideas that a few maybe outlier ideas, maybe the, the, the ones that will be the future breakthrough of the business, how are we tapping into that? And how that makes it way, its way to actually impact and decide and, and help better decisions and better opportunities for the business. And that's that's that strategy bottom up, which you know, unfortunately is strategy upside down, but it's not it's not a bad thing. It's it's rethinking how yeah. do we how do we get to that? And 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 in doing that, it you, you realize organizations are absolutely not designed for that. They are designed to deliver most of the time. The 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 coherence and the glue of organization is the delivery, the plans. It's not so much the strategy. Uh, and and to change that is a massive, massive, massive task. And and people as well need to to see the benefits, but also grow the skills and compute and understand how we're going to change all this because you don't switch it on mm. it's it's a big journey a very big journey what would you once say... you do that you you have better flow <laughs> <laughs> what would you what thank you um there, there are a couple of things there that, that stood out to me but i think above all else what would you say are the the main blockers to um you know flipping strategy on its head and, and having the shop floor or you know the doers or however you want to call the, those people what's stopping companies from being able to do that and uh i i don't like the term mindset <laughs> and everybody will flag mindset well it's a way too generic things mm -hmm. um, but I, I think we are at the tipping point of a transition where you know, digital has been seen and digital transformations have been seen as a technology affair type thing mm. where you need to deliver the next big data and then now you need to be on cloud and now you need to have AI and all those things. And, and, and a lot of companies are made feel inadequate. So therefore, and laggards, and therefore they're going to call some consultants that have something semi-intelligent to say about it to rescue them. <laughs> and and fundamentally and maybe that's that's right you know they need to catch up if they are that far behind if they are really in a laggard category there is experience out there that some consultant is able to maybe bring them to to the right sort of uh level quickly to catch up but it doesn't mean they're going to perform and 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 the things we are seeing more and more is the reasons and, and essentially the leadership and the wider leadership element that had got them to become laggards and not wake up to the speed of transition of the market 
having a consultant helping them catching up is not resolving that problem. It's not actually, it's just playing catch up. It's not actually solving the fact that they're not aligned to perform in a new digital world, in a faster changing world uh, with software and so on. And the gap is, is, is very big for some organizations because technology as in digital transformation since so far as just technology thing, it has been a technology delivery element where people have been delivering those new things, but they have not necessarily challenged their perspective. How do we move, how do we make better decisions faster? For instance, simple thing. How, how do we make decisions on the periphery and really sort how do we all contribute to the well-running of the organization, meaning that how do we adapt ourselves? How do we pay all pay attention at our relevant level to excellence so that we don't have a hurdle and so many companies will tell you about tech debt? And how are we all aligned on the strategy? And, and a new way of being aligned on the strategy is really distributing the strategy and holding its coherence. So it's a bottom-up strategy, an emergent strategy uh, from uh, the, the, the generation and, and the identification of ideals. And then it's actually coherently choosing the focus so that it doesn't go all, all the ways. But sometimes the, the focus can be also well, we're going to have some teams that are going to diverge because there may be new ideas, serendipity coming out of that. And dealing with riding that, that change, you know, we're talking about VUCA, for instance, and, and, and this uncertainty, ambiguity. And, and this is often presented as a problem. And it is a problem if you're trying to control, of course. But it's also the massive opportunities to find new business model, new ideas, new avenues, because the world is getting disrupted all the time. So how can you ride that change? How can you lead in a way that, of course, needs agility so you can ride the opportunities that are emerging from uh, the, the, the fast changing pace of the industry? And that is... Um, that is, I think, a fundamental change. And we're still longing from, and, and you know, personally, I wrote a blog actually not so, so long ago around, we're still um, celebrating traditional readership. If you look at something like The Apprentice, if you look at what are the leaders that come to mind, and people will mention Elon Musk, will mention Steve Jobs, and they all, they all, seen as those geniuses that make all the decisions. And I think it's really a, a dangerous uh, perspective on leadership. I think the, the better leadership today, and, and maybe, you know, maybe mm. there's some people that are such geniuses and working 24 seven and so on that can all that, but up to what scale and, and, and how many people have that gift? Now, I think the, 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 the better leadership is to think about how do you distribute that in your organization? How everybody has an element of engagement and involvement. 
and 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 it is an you know around creating excellence around working well with their colleagues around harnessing basically the the collective intelligence and the collective perspective and sensor network and so on to spot weak signals or possibilities and 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 if you want to harness everybody on on the direction strategy is you know involving a lot of people many more than are typically involved into the strategies is important yes and all those things you know when we talk about flow it is all those things coming together really uh and and that achieve flow but it's important to appreciate that flow in you know a lot of people talk about flow nowadays but they talk about flow in the sense of flow of work mm. which is the, the the sort older lean concept of flow of work uh, but that is very much based on reducing the variability now we we keep on talking about the flow of work in the context of complexity where the variability is inherent and actually you have to work with it and you have to explore and exploit it and and that means the, the the idea of flow is a constant dynamic where you will need to recompose you will need to explore possibilities when those possibilities happen then how do you direct capacity to that and maybe what do you what do you stop what do you shrink and 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 the flow therefore becomes something extremely dynamic that is a very very fragile thing you may you may hit the perfect flow but it's going to be for very very short time because something will change that you have to adapt for and 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 it changes the dynamics of everything again so it's taking that perspective and and riding it really yeah i couldn't i couldn't agree more i think when i think back to sort of um how i've developed in in my career <clears throat> Um, I have had what you talked about there, Philippe, where leaders have distributed responsibility, accountability, and participation in strategy setting. And you know, that then flows, that's flowed throughout my entire career. Every team that I've ever built and managed, I've always empowered them to to think strategically and to carve out time to be able to do that. Um, and it, it's so important. I, I think it's just going back to what you said at the very beginning about Toyota, that was they they innovated out of necessity, out of the post World War II um, economic um, environment and physical environment that that they found themselves in. What I'm sensing, listening to you, and I think for listeners, if you go back to the episodes with with James Davis um, and and probably Pascal Dennis, what you're hearing in those episodes, and Philippe is absolutely echoing this, is that change has to happen and the trigger for that change is you know that there, there are multiple reasons but the things that stand out more than anything is if you don't keep innovating then then you're you're dying um so just to just to slightly pivot um away from sort of this scene setting uh philippe how would you how would you describe the world of strategy right now in terms of its change what is what's going on with strategy and how is it evolving um from what you're seeing in your engagements and generally you know what you're thinking about the space um 
I mean, it, it's still a place of great potential to to put it politically correct. <laughs> I, I think um, I'm I'm still seeing a lot of the old school strategy, and and to be honest, and by that I mean strategy and leadership that aims to create certainty out of something that is inherent and inherently uncertain. And you know the, the net effect of that is people kind of put their neck on the line to saying, oh, I'm going to make that happen. But they have, you know, to make it happen, you're going to need some Herculean effort. You're going to need heroes that we're going to clap at the end. Uh, you're going to need all those things that are not sustainable. And actually, you're going to need to have you know, a, a fairly assertive, aggressive sort of leaders that are the ones that are going to make things happen in an organization. And, and that is basically people that are going to build those through the dysfunction of organization. And you're not solving the dysfunction that way. You, you're burning people out. And I think that is still something that we praise, that is still the kind of people we promote. And the, the danger is that organizations are not setting themselves up for being highly functional, adaptive, and so on. It's still relying very much on some individuals um, to, um, to make things happen. Uh, and as part of this, um, sometimes what you got is also uh, the fact that we go from a strategy and, and we believe in that strategy in, and, and we engineer a lot the thinking about it, the modeling. We bring some, some external people to do model industry data and so on, and we believe it's perfect. But we should be more humble to realize no, we just have some direction effectively, and uh, and 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 those are imperfect, and we're going to learn along the way. So there's, and and if you commit that strategy to a roadmap and a plan, now the delivery becomes the focus. The strategy is no longer the focus. We need to deliver that based on the assumption that made in the business case, and many organizations will tell you. Actually, we never look back whether the business case has been realized. And, and you, know, you can imagine the problem with that. But <laughs> yeah. are, are they actually solving that? Not so much. And so I think we are still in, in the early days of, of, of completely shaking this up and working with some clients and challenging some clients on shaking this up. It is still quite dissonant. You still have the leadership that has, you know, for 20, 30 years of career, those people have been used about, we set an objective, we paint that future, that idealistic future very well. And in leadership, we spend a lot of time doing that. And then we make a solid plan and we're going to be successful as long as we execute well. Now, there's, there's a couple of problems with that. Of course, is you know, this plan isn't perfect, and that picture we have in you know for the three to five year horizon isn't perfect. 
and a lot of things are going to change in between and actually the time then is spent selling this to the rest of your organization whereas you could have allowed more time for the rest of the organization to participate and you wouldn't have to sell it and and if you organize around that participation you can actually iterate on that so you can adapt along the way and i also found that we spend a considerable amount of time to paint that perfect picture of the future but we have a very very imperfect picture of the present mm -hmm. and you know if you if you look at and very often when you you go into especially software because software is not something we see how far the leadership that does the strategy knows about the constraint of software knows about oh we have a problem with fraud around here this api is really so flaky it's not working where it's supposed to go the infrastructure is actually not right and that's why the orders are not going through uh, and it requires investment and none of that is visible people are swarming to to have things sort of held up by bubble gum and sticky tape sometimes and it doesn't make it on the strategy radar yeah so the strategy becomes wishful and the the foundations are made of sand and a strategy that doesn't consider the constraints is not a worthwhile strategy so i i do see a lot of that and you know if if people recognize those problems uh it, it is quite a fundamental thing to mm. to go and change it and mm. it's a hard thing to go and change it so because that is what people have as a concept and 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 their view you know, the way they see strategy is like that now to change the view and to turn it upside down about how you do strategy and and how strategy is effectively a factor of alignment for the organization um it, it, it is a big step a very very big step um and it's it's all the more of a big step that you know it starts where who do you involve what are they here to represent and and if you have people that are aligned by project and by competence which most organizations are um then who, who is representing the customer and the product here what is the persistence of alignment of those people to to the organization and if it's projects there isn't a persistence so therefore they don't really have an identity to represent in strategy um, and and it's difficult um, so there are some prerequisites to be able to to have a strategy that is done more continuously mm -hmm. uh, and therefore more agile for the organization and god i could go on to the agile world as well um <laughs> I, I might in a sec but it's um it, it is you have some elements of prerequisites where you need to have some elements of flow in place where the the organization should align and and represented some products uh or services you know services also products uh and and understanding your value chain supporting the value 
to the customers uh, because the strategy has to be oriented to the customers. They are the ones that keep the company alive. Um, so to, to do that, th there are some elements that if you don't have that in place, it's very difficult to start distributing strategies and, and doing it effectively. Uh, I said as well, the foundations of sound, if there isn't an element of safety and an element of measuring how bad things are, it's very difficult to have solid foundations. You don't have excellence. If you don't have excellence, you're going to be firefighting probably at least 30% of your time. If you're firefighting, this is the space you would have for strategy. So, you know, having the excellence as a foundation that you can really lean on is key. Otherwise, you end up firefighting and, and you have no time. And you mentioned time earlier. You have no time for everything. Uh, and, and again, you know, if I, as a leader, you find yourself with no time trying to coordinate the activity all the time, you're effectively firefighting. And, and it's the time to take a step back and focus on what's important, limiting the, the work in progress and so on. Um, and, and since I mentioned Agile, I, I think we have associated a causation between Agile and Agility. And organizations have recognized that there is a changing, a fast changing landscape and a need to adapt. And they associated doing an Agile transformation uh, will 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 make that possible. And what has happened is they have adopted some agile technique, maybe some scaled agile techniques and methods, but they haven't gone more agile as a result. And very often, and the, the challenge is it's it's not the process that was the problem. you know operating in an agile way might be uh, something around process but building agility or if if you operate in an agile way towards agility uh, it's about alignment a lot and it's about strategy and and on that agile has been quite empty uh, so an agile that doesn't you know provide agility for me is as useful as a chocolate teapot so it's uh, it's really about you know I think some organizations have done massive amount of agile transformation for some time to no agility benefit. Yeah. Now that they have to pick themselves up and dust themselves up and just rethink, mm. you know, how do we bring agility to our business and where do we start? Uh, and and if you want agility, if you want autonomy of teams then that means the team participate to the strategy. That means your strategy is going to be iterative. That's agility. If you have a rigid strategy and rigid plan and roadmap, you're not going to have agility. So our, 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 our strategy becomes in the mix and Agile has, has lashed on around OKRs uh, for agility because Academically or, or, or theoretically, it's actually a, a nice idea that you have objectives, people have intent and, and key results, and, and we work out how we're getting there, which is fair enough. The challenge is if your objectives become sort of delivery objectives, then it starts breaking down because your, your key results become delivery. 
Uh, and, and very often you see things like that. Uh, and, and unfortunately, OKRs are a little bit of, um, you know, we have introduced that as, as the panacea solution, uh, but they are more of an art to get right than really a science. Uh, and I don't see them being implemented very effectively. And that's where I think the X matrix is actually helping massively. Um, and I'd like this, uh, this concept, this idea from um, uh, Mike Burrows, uh, the, the, Mike Burrow, the, the creator of Agenda Shift. And he has this, this thing, he says, you know, you, you do meaning before measure and measure before method. And method is sort of your solution, your action. And, and, and that's navigating an X matrix. So you understand your meaning, you know, your aspiration, your strategies, you understand your measures. So are you gonna measure your progress of your strategy? And then you're gonna take the action uh, and determine the actions you're taking. And you don't need to, to have a massive backlog. It's actually counterintuitive. We need to have a, a smallish backlog that is just in time. And once you start hitting the measures, do you need to continue? Is there more potential in those measures? Or actually, do you need to pivot to more important things? And, and if you want agility, you know, people that have one year of backlogs, they, they can't have agility. They are delivering to a backlog. That's what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. You need to bring the more just-in-time element. Mm. And, and that means connecting the strategy and its deployment a lot closer and a lot more often. And the X-Matrix is a great tool for that. You, you talked a lot, Philippe, about, um, you know, I'm hearing about value, you know, value chains, value stream mapping, the X matrix, just in time, um, business centers of excellence, agile. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, what you could say buzzwords here or, or tools that people probably are um, aware of. I think you've done a, a brilliant job and I, I could keep talking for a very, very long time. I wish we could. You've done a brilliant job of, of kind of setting the scene and, and really explaining um, the theoretical side of, of what you're talking about here in terms of bringing flow to the front line. Um, we, we, we love theory. You know, this space loves theory, but what really helps people stand out leaders and that could be people in the c-suite or people on the shop floor what really helps people to stand out is practical practical actionable advice um and putting into practice what you're what you're talking about here so with, mm -hmm. with that in, in mind um i know our listeners are probably itching to hear the execution part of of this strategy so how can you put all that you've talked about here today into practice very good question very good question and <laughs> each each situation is specific so that there isn't really um a, a rule of thumb or a recipe to go about it um but i i, I have isolated somehow uh, some pillars and generally those pillars need to happen in sequence so when and and let's say you you get into a, a traditional landscape or you know sometimes it's more evolved but essentially we all you know they are initiatives very often organized as projects um 
and the project typically have a conflict demand. So th there is uh, people that start getting shared across teams uh, to accommodate uh, those things. And and sometimes you know and the teams are not stable and so on. So that is very often a starting point. Uh, it's nice if if we already have some ideas of teams that are set and persisted and they are aligned to something. So the, the first the first key part is trying to put some stability in organization. And how how can we align to something? Generally, we look to align to value. But it's also understanding what is that chain of value, because you can't have all the knowledge concentrated on one team. Uh, so you need to keep a team size of around, you know, five to ten. Um, and then the teams get connected. So understanding that connection, what is the landscape of the system in serving value uh, and in this. Uh, you, you tend to map your system and the relationship between teams. And it's also very useful. You know, that, that's something I'm, I'm quite a, a specialist of. And I train it on O'Reilly and so on. Uh, worldly maps. You know, I, I like, I'm a big fan of worldly maps because they start from the user and you, you map all the users you got in, in, your, in your business, their needs, and now your business aligns to their needs. And that gives you really a sense of granularity of your business and at the same time alignment of the different parts of the business to um, to the needs of the customer. So getting that view of the landscape and, and trying to establish teams in everything is important to start with. Teams will bring you resilience. And once you have that, you can look at focusing as well on excellence. So now that those teams are stuck with the software they're building or whatever it is they're building, how can they start ironing out the process issues, the performance issues, the quality issues? And how can they start doing Kaizen effectively, really? So continual improvement. So, and, and that's the first step where they start taking responsibility for themselves. Because another challenge is the human challenge of they have been used to being told what to do for so long. Now we're telling them to think for themselves. And we need to start training those muscles. And training those muscles, Kaizen is very effective because it deals with their context, with things that are near to them that they can change and influence. So it's about training that. So number one, alignment. Number two, igniting some continued improvement and Kaizen. And by that, the responsibility of the teams. Number three, it's also the teamwork relationships within teams and across teams. So understanding at a team level, the roles, but not in a segregated way, in a relationship way. I absolutely Eight with a passion, the race race metrics. So <laughs> responsibility, accountability, and uh, consulted and informed, which is the, the typical consultant toolkit that people bring. This isolate responsibility. It doesn't create collaboration. 
So if we are to create collaboration, first, the team has the accountability, not an individual. The team has the accountability and the responsibility together. Number two is it's about recognizing the relationship people have in the team and the outcomes of those relationships and making sure they are lived and making sure very often as well that it creates cross-functional leadership in teams because you realize you may have a product owner, you may have a scrum master, you may have an engineer, you may have an architect. They become the leadership together. It's not some leader that takes the leadership and all the accountability on behalf of. So if you want to have a distributed accountability without dilution of accountability, very important point that you need to actually invest into creating teams and continually coaching those teams to be accountable. Accountable to the outside, accountable to each other on the inside. So there's an important element of teamwork relationships that because it's intangible, people don't know how to work with that. And all you see out there is we need psychological safety, we need, we need, we need, but how do you work with it? And team coaching brings that element. Um, and team coaching outside, of the system. It's about recognizing the relationship teams have with other teams to get things realized. And that leads to ideas of topology. There's a very good book called Team Topologies that uh, looks at typology of teams and how they work into a topology and the relationships of teams. Uh, I'm also um, currently writing something around the relationships uh, between teams. Uh, and, and the idea of the three C's of coordination, cooperation, collaboration. Most organizations based on project management, budget management, and single accountability are effectively coordinated. Meaning that somebody takes the responsibility on behalf of others and is going to coordinate the relationship and often micromanage the relationship of people to get it realized. This is the project management territory. You can evolve to cooperation and cooperation is basically having more of an idea of teams. Each team have their own objectives and they are made, you know, they are getting together every so often. And that's where the, the scaling agile techniques with big room planning and so on is useful. Uh, they are getting together and they contribute to each other projects. And, and, and you organize something like that. And then you have collaboration. And very often it's an empty word in organization. HR department wants collaboration, but collaboration doesn't happen because it's not designed for it. Collaboration is bringing people together very frequently to co-create, meaning you, you don't distribute the work, you don't uh, divide the work. You actually get the bigger objective, the more distal goal of the work, and you swarm the people on the work as a team. And sometimes it's a team of teams that you do that with. So understanding how you deploy across teams, a coordinated approach, a cooperated approach, or a collaborative approach is very important. And it depends with the complexity of your problems because you can't afford collaborating on everything all the time. So you need to recognize where you're only going to coordinate, where you're only going to cooperate, and where you can afford collaboration. 
So a, a, key, a key element, number three, is the team relationships. And once you have all those things in place, you can actually start affording your strategy. And generally, strategy in most of the change programs I do is the last piece. And it is, unfortunately, the hardest to get to and also the keystone to make it hold together. Uh, and strategy, uh, the way I look at strategy is continuous strategy. So basically, how do we get teams to continually think about strategy? So every couple of weeks, you know, getting together to talk about strategy, very often supported by wildly mapping and so on. And then strategy refreshes. So looking to organize things around once a quarter. And instead of organizing a regroup around delivery, we organize a regroup around strategy. And the delivery itself is, is, is organized through Lean Portfolio Management, which is continuous. So the, the, the regroup around strategy is about refreshing. And everything that has emerged through the quarter, through the strategy, continuous strategy activity people are doing, then goes into an input to the refresh which is looked at at the system, more systemic level. And uh, basically all the teams, you know, have a day or a couple of days of facilitated progress where they look at what's the impact, what do we need to change? How do we need to align on certain things? How are we aligning on those? Uh, what do we need to expedite? What do we need to stop? Uh, maybe how do we need to carve the organization differently to make space for collaborative teams that starts a new initiatives. So looking at this very often, periodically, at least you know once a quarter, uh, as a strategy refresh, and and for that we use you'll be pleased to know the X matrix and I nexus <laughs> to create that alignment uh, where where we create the alignment across the space and and effectively we're looking to. The input is future suggested changes, and the output is normalized uh, on the coherent sort of progress for the next quarter. So effectively, the idea is we are here to disturb what we think uh, of the delivery, what we think about the, the, the initiatives we're taking. How do we need to disturb that? And we regroup every, every quarter for that. And that allows us to have that emergence coming in and that coherence working through. So actually we all pull in the same direction at the end of it. And, and continually we, we challenge that again and over again. So one, alignment and, and flow around the alignment. Two, getting the excellence. Three, wiring the network of relationships in the teams and across the teams and for uh, organizing the collaboration around strategy which is a part of continuous strategy and strategy refreshes does that make sense Ab absolutely um i feel like we could probably you know do an episode per per those topic and in, in fairness philippe but um i i think that's very that's very clear in terms of a i guess a plan, a roadmap for people who are listening in terms of 
you know, a lot of the people that I talk to, they do have a business system or an operating system, and that does incorporate lean, Kaizen, um, project management tools, et cetera. But well, Philippe, what you're talking about is, okay, that's that's good, but actually now you need to build these other elements into this overall overarching um, uh, methodology. Yeah, in, yeah. In terms of... if, if, if you're doing good at lean, and I mean the, the lean of, of Toyota style, mm. uh, you already have an embedded culture, an embedded alignment and so on that, that should get you into, into a really good place already. So yes. Um, For those people who don't have that though, um, what what would your one piece of advice be to someone on getting started with all of this um, outside of, of naturally, I'm going to ask you how they can work with yourselves. But if you are looking at this with a fresh pair of eyes and you're thinking, wow, Philippe, there is so much great content here. I haven't thought about, um, you know, the importance of flow and, 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 and agility, but where can I get started above all else? Like what's that one piece of advice for someone to get started with this process and i'm tempted to say i don't know uh because <laughs> it, it is so contextual and that's that's the answer is that you need to read your context and yeah. you're gonna try things and i'd like you know that that's actually a very important question and, and something that I continually feel people are not getting and not getting enough attention to mm. the idea that, you know, a bit like there's wormholes in space or this idea of wormholes. I think there is wormholes in change. Mm. And, and, and there's this idea of dispositionality and uh, influence or modulators. If, if you hit, you know, if you create, I mean, you need to recognize some constraints of your system and sometimes unplugging certain constraints is going to enable a lot. And here we're talking about limiting constraints. But there's also this idea of potentially enabling constraints or constructors, we could also try and call them. And sometimes it's actually very interesting to think if you do a small thing somewhere, maybe it changes completely how people will perceive a situation. So, you know, an example is if you want excellence, um, I, I often ask engineering teams to report on the tech that they are leaking. And at first, they don't have the psychological safety to do that because it's like putting bad marks on their job. Mm, yeah, I can imagine. But then I, then I tell them, well, if you're able to mark and put a bad mark on your job you do, you actually know. And it's not your skills that are your problem. Mm. It's you're not given the time to do the job right. So it is somebody else's problem. The person that doesn't give you the time to do your job right has the problem. Now, 
you're only creating visibility of that problem. And without that visibility, nobody can make the decisions to give you the time. So few things like this, you know, and, and, and you can only change so many things because people, you know, there's maybe thousand things to change in an organization, small changes. Mm. But is there some key changes that will allow you to create leverage in your change to accelerate certain things and address many of the other changes as a byproduct? And, and leadership need to understand what are those modulators, those dials, that if I tweak them a little bit, it's going to create an imbalance. And, and actually, the dispositionality of the system will go towards more of the things we would like and less of the things we don't like. Uh, sometimes there's inertia and belief as well. I mean, I've been in an organization where well, that's, that's a, that was a fantastic story like this. And, and if you think, you know, we discussed about the, the Porsche as an organization as well. Change often happens as an organization when they're in the dire strait. Yep. And some some don't make the change. Some make the change, and it's quite spectacular. But because of the context of that situation being in dire strait, they are ready to take more radical solutions. And I've been in, in and and you can exploit if some change is happening in your organization. People have a dispositionality to 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 reorient. Now, can you use this to go in the right way? Like COVID, for instance, you know, was was one of those things. You didn't have a choice, but as it was a, a happening, what can you make of it? How can you use a good crisis, like Churchill was saying? And sometimes you have to engineer it. If you see inertia in your organization, then you can think, how are we going to basically poke something create a disruption that will allow us to overcome that inertia and i've had a situation once where people were hearing being told yeah we need to focus on quality but for them they were focusing on delivery for them it was about delivering feature and if they had to compromise quality so be it so the message was not landing and one day the the release got actually uh, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't going to happen. The release was there was so many problems uh, it wasn't going to happen. And so what we said is you down tools. At the end of the day, if we're not releasing software, there is no value that we're pro providing, no value that we're creating. So you down tools and two hundred people. When you say to two hundred people, you stop what you're doing. You down tools, it creates an impact. And then we told them there is one thing that is absolutely critical in that release. One team is going to re-engineer that into the past working version of the system. So it's going to take the change we done just for that and retrofit them into the past version that we know is working. All the rest, you swarm into teams to figure improvements on things that have made this release fail, this work fail. And it was really disturbing and upsetting for some people. But from that point on, they knew that quality mattered. 
from that point on, the message about quality landed. So sometimes it's about creating those things that will change some belief systems. Yeah. And 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 they are big big tickets like this that you can work with. And the reason I'm saying I don't know is because those are so contextual. Mm. And mm. even when you're facing them, you don't know how they're going to work. You can only try them and you'll know afterwards. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's that's absolutely fair. <laughs> I, I, I can imagine it, it really is dependent on not just the vertical, but the company itself and the size of the company. Um, so I, you can I, have you can have a lot of linear approaches to do that. Hmm. But, you know, for leadership that is interested is how can we look at wormholes of change mm. uh, that can accelerate things by using the dispositionality of people to reorient uh, around constraints that are being created or, or that mm. exist in the system. Uh, and and it requires quite some thinking and a lot of probing, a lot of trying, and then you see what reacts and, and then you orient and you navigate your change as a dynamic thing, uh, you don't you don't follow a set plan, set linear plan. You you navigate based on all the things you're trying, and twenty percent of those will succeed probably. Um, and and then you try some more and some more and some more, and 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 your change morphs more towards the good thing, less towards the bad things. Mm. Mm, yeah, I I I can imagine. Um, so. Just to just to finish us up for today's today's episode, Philippe. And again, thank you. It's um, it's been really really interesting. How can you just tell us a little bit about um the support that you can offer over at community.henco.co.uk and and I guess the sort of work that you can offer people to take today's learnings and put them into action. So we. We, we run a community digital leadership um, and uh, so it's a meetup. So we have frequent uh, frequent meetups and, and I'm, I'm rallying uh, some, some team around it to support it. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea is, is sharing sharing something back, but also probing as an industry understand what's resonating, what's, you know, I, 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 I eat my own dog food, as, as people say. Um, so it's a permanent sort of experimentation uh, and sharing so that we, we recognize, uh, you know, it, it's not basically talking from the top of a, of a softbox type thing. It is actually participating and, and, and the community is, is, in, is more involved. Um, and the idea is, is being more on the experimental side uh, and the IN side of what's next. And, and for me, a lot of the things I've been working on for uh, the past uh, six, seven years, and actually in my previous job, I was already really doing quite a lot of that too, um, has been about always what's next. Uh, and you know, very early on, it's what's next to those agile transformation that won't bring agility. Uh, what's next to the digital transformation that won't bring basically business and technology working together. Um, and, and that's what we, we explore because I think there's, there's still a lot more in it. 
but we, we, we start also looking at themes beyond that around you know, leadership in complexity, uh, where is the next complexity going to come from as well? There's a lot around sustainability, responsibility, and we don't think around diversity. Uh, we, we are connected as well with uh, our tech legacy, for instance, that looks at how can we look at tech um, in terms of uh, sustainability? Uh, and when you think, you know, some, some large bank, for instance, probably has the data center electricity consumption of a small city, uh, and all that with a server utilization in three to five percent, maybe. So cloud cloud offers a lot of possibilities around that, around optimizing tech. Um, but you know, there's going to be emerging things that, and the more we're going towards a more complex world, and I was on a research with Simon Ward as well around mm. uh, retail, and we're seeing probably the, the the supply chains in retail you know it's it's not that different than the financial crisis where people knew their counterparty who they were selling to and the counterparty who they were buying from mm. and and in the financial crisis it was around you know where they were insuring their risk really and uh, and what who they were selling to and <clears throat> that that has been a recipe for disaster We've, we know no, no, the the poor knowledge of the wider uh, counterparty network has been a recipe for disaster in the 2008 financial crisis. And more recently, it's been also a disaster in the supply chains uh, of the car industry and many industries. Um, and has the, how the product and so on are going to change, uh, the supply chain dynamics are also very much changing. And how do you carbon test as well as supply chain, how do you become more uh, responsible in your supply chains and your carbon footprint? All those things, you know, if you think the complexity of digital about working with technology, now working with sustainability, working with responsibility, working with resilience into a very, very fast changing world and changing dynamics and geopolitics and so on, it, it is going to increase multi, multi-fold the complexity that we are struggling today to deal with. And I see that being the directions of, of what we look into. And the direction for me as a business as well is, is still very much about how do organization learn to lead in, uh, in a changing environment rather than trying to create certainty around that. And how do they adapt very fast to the changing circumstances and conditions for for resilience for managing the risk as well as uh, for exploring the opportunities that it brings I, I think that's yeah i think given the the uncertain conditions economically and geopolitically that we we find ourselves in as we record um today i, I think yeah, what you were saying there, Philippe, is very, it's very timely and it's um, something that listeners should definitely go out of their way. Um, if it does resonate, they should go out of the way to visit community.henco.co.uk. Um, Thank you. More, I think um, on behalf of, on behalf of my, of, of myself and the production team and, and everyone else that's uh, 
supports this this podcast i just want to say thank you um philippe i think this has been another one of those episodes that i've really learned a lot um and and changed quite a few opinions that i had so um thank you so much philippe for for joining today and, and being our strategy hero you're very welcome and thank you for having me i, I hope i lived up to the <laughs> To the Avenger type. <laughs> but, uh, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm more here to help. I think there's uh, there's something as well in, in the in the engagement process that for me, the heroes are really the, the leaders and so on that have to make those difficult changes. Mm-hmm. And and we're just here to support them. So, you know, let's, let's be humble and let's work with them as a team uh, because it's it's not an easy change, you know. We 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 like to to say, oh, people are they're not doing this, they're not doing that, mm. they're not getting it. Mm. It's not easy changes. It's it's difficult, and and maintaining the running business and all the problems, as well as as driving fundamental change on it, is difficult. It's very mm. difficult. So sometimes, you know, I also act as a coach and uh, as a as a one to one coach, and the stories you get. <laughs> you realize that there's pressure on people. There's pressure on people, and it's difficult to leave them. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, we, you know, the, the, that's the other side of the curtain that is confidential, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not able to expose the conversations yeah. I'm having. But we we need to appreciate it's not easy for people, and and they to me they are the heroes, and we have to make them the heroes. Yeah, we just we just you know sent as little helpers here. Yeah. <laughs> well um i i'm sure that um i'm sure that you you've you've helped a lot of a lot of our listeners to realize that they are the heroes so um thank you philippe and uh i look forward to hopefully having you back on the podcast in the future we'll be glad to we'll be glad to thank you thank you philippe take care cheers bye bye for now.